So I want to again just say thanks for being here and uh, really glad that uh, you decided to take part, whether you're online or on site here with us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for participating. Uh, really appreciate it. This morning I want to read to you from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Uh, we're in the Gospel of John, in the record of Jesus' life, we're rapidly approaching. Well, this chapter 10 is the midway, the midpoint. It's the middle chapter. And from here it starts to count down to the things that are going to happen, for lack of a better way of saying it, to Jesus. Although, as we'll notice this morning, they didn't happen to him. Uh, that happened because he chose them. Uh, and he's trying to help people understand what we've been, we've been talking about. We want to know the real Jesus. And he was trying to introduce himself to these people, trying to help them understand who he was. And he was using word pictures. Um, word pictures that were old. There are probably, uh, even people who've never been to church have probably heard two things that we take for granted in, the, in churches. Uh, amazing grace. If they don't know the words, they've at least heard the tune. Because every movie I've ever seen where they've buried a soldier or a police officer, they played Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. In fact, I read a few years ago that the Muslim king of Jordan, that's his favorite song. Ooh, that's awesome. His favorite song is Amazing Grace. Lots of people know Amazing Grace, whether they're in church or not, whether they're believers or not. The other thing that most everybody knows uh, or has an opportunity to know is uh, these words. The Lord is my shepherd. <clears throat> Those are used a lot. The Lord is my shepherd. It was an ancient picture, and that's the picture that Jesus grabs a hold of in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. He says to the people, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's, it's, you may feel weird doing it, but it's okay because you're in church and, well, weird things happen in church. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, so I want you to, every time I read these words, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, or I lay down my life, I want you just to count with me on your hand. You don't have to hold it way up high, but I'm going to hold mine up so you see that I'm doing it, and you won't feel alone at being weird. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he doesn't care. He's a hired hand. He doesn't own those sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason the Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. This command I receive from my Father. Remember that number. We'll get back to it. But as I was reading these verses, I, a question came to me, who really needs a shepherd? I mean, we can take care of ourselves pretty much. I mean, isn't that what it means to be grown-ups? <clears throat> I, I, I have observed in my life that one of the first things little people learn to say is, I can do it myself. Thank you very much. Doesn't mean that they can, it just means they can say that they can. And one of the last things people say is, I can do it myself, thank you very much. It may not be true, but the last thing any of us wants to admit is that we can't do it. Right? Who needs a shepherd? We can take care of ourselves. Now, now there are people who obviously need. A shepherd. There are people who, you know, we can just look at them and we know they need a shepherd. Um, uh, on Facebook, they're the little yellow minion people. <laughs> that was for my sister. She loves the minions. If you don't know who they are, I don't know. Google it. I mean, but there are other people that we know need a shepherd. Uh, anybody who's involved in crime obviously needs a shepherd to get them straightened out, get them back on the right track. People are dealing with uh, substance abuse and addictions. Well, obviously, those people need a shepherd. They need somebody to help them. People who abuse other people or have been abused by people, they need a shepherd. Broken people need a shepherd. I mean, there are some people who are very obviously broken, and they need a shepherd. And now I'm about to step on some toes because I've noticed as a kid growing up in the church and as a pastor, even when we say the Lord is my shepherd, it's more of a theological, theoretical belief than it is a personal, practical confession and experience. Of course the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody knows that the Lord is my shepherd. Do we live like the Lord is our shepherd? Or are we too busy taking care of ourselves? Who needs a shepherd? To answer that question, I, perhaps it would be uh, helpful to find out what Jesus says the good shepherd will do for us. You know, what he claims about the good shepherd. So the first thing I want to, I'm just going to ask a series of questions. There are friends, uh, you know, the, the what, the why, the how, the who, the when, those kinds of questions that we were taught in school to always ask. So we start with, what does the good shepherd do for the sheep? Jesus says he provides for the sheep. In, in the verse right before where we started, he said, I have come so that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Another way that that could be, uh, expressed is that it is that they would have life and have it more than one would normally expect or anticipate. 
Jesus, he, then he goes right into, I am the good shepherd. He, he doesn't tell us exactly what is that abundant life. And I've seen lots of different ideas. Everything but from big bank accounts, fancy houses, and cars, to always being healthy, to some mysterious, mystical kind of thing. There's, he doesn't tell us. Jesus doesn't give us details about the abundant life. But whatever it is, just between us, I think I want it. Because the, the, what we normally expect and anticipate in this world is kind of, well, less than. I would like more than. And if Jesus is the one who provides that, then I'm listening. He also protects the sheep. He talks about how the, the higher hand will take off and run. Earlier in, in this chapter, he talked about how thieves would come to kill, steal, and destroy the sheep. But the shepherd will lay down his life to protect them. Hopefully he doesn't actually do that literally because if the shepherd's dead, then the sheep are in a whole lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. But he does risk his life. David, the one who wrote the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. He was a shepherd. And as a young boy, he fought a bear to save his sheep and a lion to save his sheep and he not only survived he went on to become a giant slain king but he didn't run he says he took the lamb out of the lion's mouth before he killed it give me my sheep back There was no or else. The or else was coming, right? Just give me my sheep back. You're dead. That's the shepherd. He protects. He also personally knows and is personally known by the sheep. Because they hear my voice. They know my voice. I know them. I call them by name. The shepherds in... The Middle East, particularly in Jesus' time, the village shepherds would tend to keep their sheep all together in one giant corral or pen when they were in town. Uh, how do you separate all these sheep? Every one of the shepherds had a, their own unique call, and they had named all of their sheep, and they would come to the gate, the gatekeeper would open the gate, and the shepherd would stand outside and start calling sheep's names. Jill? Joe? Mary? I, I don't know what they named them. Fluffy? Wooly? Hey, you? Sorry. Uh, could, could pass that one up. And they, their sheep would come. All the other sheep would instinctively know 
that's not my shepherd, and they go the other direction. So it was like they're going to the back of the corral, and this shepherd's sheep were coming to the first to the front of the corral because the shepherd knew them by name, called them by name, and they recognized the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd would know, okay, wait a minute, where's Polly? <laughs> All right, come on, sleepyhead, let's go. All right? He would know. The shepherd would know when they were all out and they would all, and then he would start walking. I grew up watching Rawhide. Everybody knows you drive cattle. You get behind them and make them go wherever you want them to go. You kind of just keep them right. That's, you don't do that with sheep. You can't herd sheep like that. You go in front. Particularly in the Middle East where Jesus grew up, he would, the shepherds would go in front calling the names, singing their little songs, whatever they did, and their sheep would follow them. They knew their sheep. If they were sitting there, you could see David going, what happened to little Mo? Little Mo, quit playing with that lion. Now I gotta hurt somebody. He would know just looking out across his his flock. Little Mo's gone. Ah, there he is. Let's go get him. The shepherd also pulls together all the sheep. Jesus says to them, "I have sheep from a, 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 another pen." Uh, there's something I want us to understand because I think we as as particularly in the North American church, we have become really good at deciding who's in and who's out. Mm -hmm. we, we, we love the boundaries. They vote like me, they must be in. Hmm. They look like me, they must be in. I grew up in the church. I have all kinds of stories to illustrate this, but you just trust me. Jesus, however, is a, is a shepherd with boundless inclusion. Any sheep that hears his voice and follows him is his sheep. Doesn't matter what the sheep looks like. Doesn't matter where the sheep came from. Doesn't matter who the sheep votes for. Doesn't matter as long as they're following now there is a focus center. They need to be following the shepherd. They don't just say they're following the shepherd. They have to follow the shepherd. But it's not the sheep, other sheep's place to decide if that sheep belongs with us or not. Every person will hear the shepherd's invitation to follow. And I'm confident enough to know that, or believe that not only will they hear, but they'll know who's calling. And each person carries the full response ability. That's two words, not one. What, what, you may have spelled it as one in your brain, but I said it's two words. Response ability. Each one of us, by God's grace, is given a response ability 
to follow the voice of Jesus. And the individuals who follow his voice belong to the shepherd. All of them. So how does a good shepherd do all this for the sheep? How does he? He puts it all on the line for the sheep. We've already talked about how that he said this. Remember how, how many times he said, I will lay down my life? Five times. Try it. Five times. Jesus declares that he's going to lay down his life for the sheep. And then he says, and I'm going to pick it up again. Now that's a world of difference. Mm -hmm. If David had gone after the bear and the bear had won, well, that would have been the end of it. And boy, the sheep would have been in trouble because there would have been nobody there to protect them. But our good shepherd, he lays down his life to protect us and to save us. <clears throat> to bring us into his kingdom and into his family. And then he picks his life back up again because it's his, he says. We tend to think that somehow Jesus was a victim on Good Friday. But he plainly says here that his sacrifice is voluntary. I choose to lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down. He was not a victim overpowered by an evil oppressor or a bunch of evil oppressors. In fact, on the cross, Jesus voluntarily overpowered all the oppressors we will ever face. Then on Sunday morning, he picked it back up. So why does a good shepherd do all this? Why, why does Jesus the good shepherd do all this for the sheep? He makes it pretty clear in the last couple of verses that he passionately obeys his father's directions. I have a command. I have direction from my heavenly father. My father says, lay down your life and pick it up. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep and I'm going to pick it back up. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back again. This commandment I received from my Father. There's something I figured out about authority. Lots of people want to be in charge. They want to have power and authority over other people. But I've come to the conclusion in the last few years that you, you just can't be in charge. You have to be under authority to be in authority. The exercise of authority is the result of submission to a higher authority. Or it's something else. It's not authority. In the armed forces, you better be under the supreme commander's authority or you're in a world of hurt. I mean, you can ignore orders from a, a superior officer, but it will not go well. I mean, it is an option. 
just, well, let me just say that it's definitely not the gateway to abundant living. <laughs> we can rebel. It's still not the gateway to abundant living. Jesus could have rebelled, but he says, I have a command from my Father, I have directions from my Father, and that gives me the authority to lay down my life and then pick it back up. The only exception is the one who sits on heaven's throne, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The only true and final source, the ultimate source of authority. And Jesus' authority to lay down his life and to pick it back up flowed from his submission to his heavenly Father. So who needs a shepherd? Well, we all do. I knew. I know as soon as I asked that at the very beginning of this this little talking together that you knew I was going to say that, but it's okay. We all do. We all need a shepherd. But more to the point, I need a shepherd. Uh, and not just in some theologically abstract way. Not in some way that, you know, that's what I was taught to say in Sunday school. I, I need a shepherd in a deeply personal and practical way. What about you? Do you need a shepherd? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd, the great shepherd. Teach us to follow you. To follow you to care for, for all people. To, to protect those who are threatened. To welcome those who are rejected. To forgive those who are burdened by guilt and shame. To heal those who are broken and sick. To, to share with those who have little or nothing and to love as you love us. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us to love like you love. Good Shepherd, teach us to follow you, to spread compassion to those who are far away, to, to speak for those who are voiceless, to defend those who are oppressed and abused, to make peace for those who suffer violence. And again, teach us to love as you love us. <clears throat> Good Shepherd, teach us to follow you. Fill us with your Spirit. Give us the strength and the power to do what you call us to do. Amen. Again, thank you for uh, connecting with us today, either online or here. It's uh, always great to, to have, spend some time with you. Uh, author Henry Allen wrote, 
we sort of realize, fully understand that we are sent to fulfill God-given tasks. Uh, we act as if we're simply uh, dropped down here on earth to have to and, and have to decide how to entertain ourselves until we die. You know, which is how am I going to fill up my lifespan? He says. Uh, but we're sent in the to the world by God, just as Jesus was sent into the world. And once we start living our lives, he says, once we start living our lives with that conviction that we are sent just like Jesus was sent, we will soon know what we were sent to do. So, my friends, this time of worship and service is over. But our work is just beginning. You are sent. Go with Jesus.